How many of you have read this text at least a hundred times? Okay, for the rest of you, ten. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those passages in Scripture I have read many, many, many times. And, and if you remember last year when we moved here, we were dealing with this passage of Scripture for a few months and talking about some things with regard to unity so that the church of our Lord can be built up. To be serving one another in working in a way that is exemplified in this passage. And so we, we read this passage, and many of you have read it many times, and we, we see what it says. And one of the things that we're focused on, as the title is very explicit about, is being equipped. And so we're talking about being equipped, and we look at the text here, we can see here is this picture that Paul gives the church at Ephesus. He overcomes death. And like a man, or in this case a kingdom, Overcoming another kingdom, you take the spoils of victory and you distribute it among the victors. That's what Jesus has done. And in his church, then, what he gave some to be pastors, or as we start off in the scripture, prophets. He gives some, as the scriptures give here, to be evangelists. Gave others to be apostles. Others to be pastors and teachers. He gave various gifts. And he gives us the reason to, excuse me, in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of those who have been set apart unto the Lord. For what reason? To serve. Real simple, isn't it? David led us in song this morning when we were doing the Lord's Supper and then after the Lord's Supper was over and before we gave of whatever blessings that God has bestowed upon us financially, if you will. And that song is out of basically the theme of Mark chapter 10, verse 45. That we serve. But we need to be equipped to serve. And naturally, we're just not the kind of people that are equipped to serve. You know what we're equipped for, naturally? To be served. (laughs) We're naturally equipped to have my way, my selfish ways of wanting this and wanting that, doing this, whatever I want to do. And yet... What we're talking about here is being equipped for others. Giving your life for others. As was led in the prayer, they would be living sacrifices. That's what we're, we're told that we're being equipped for. And so here God has given, through Jesus Christ, in the Lord's church, all these different gifts by way of teaching, by way of living. It is for the equipping of the saints for the work of serving ministry. He goes on to say that this is for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the whole reason of serving, that the body of Christ will be built up. And that is why he goes on to say, till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That's not going to happen in the natural state that we are without the Lord. In other words, even those who have obeyed the gospel, if we're those who have become Christians, those who have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you can look at them, and many times you'll see someone who still has the ways of the world. They might have a different attitude now. Like, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to do this, but I don't know how. Well, we're going to equip you. 
And so when you hear this word equip over the readings that you've had over the years, you know, what comes to your mind? Because when we look at a text like this, it is biblically imperative that we know what equip means. Because we're supposed to be equipped. We know it generally, but what does it look like? And that's what we're looking at this morning is what does being equipped look like? I want to ask you, how many of you like to open up your Bibles and study it? Are you shy? <laughs> like this. How many of you really like to study it? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that when you look at a passage of Scripture like this and about being equipped, well, how do you study a word like this? If we're supposed to be equipped and we want to look at what this looks like, how would you study it? When you open up God's Word, here's what you'll see. You have this Word. It's in the noun form. But we don't know what that word deals with. I mean, if we understand the verb form of this word, and now this is getting way beyond, I, mean, I don't need for us to get into the technical details, but what we're saying is if you can understand a certain form of this word, it actually helps you to understand the word as used in Ephesians 4 verse 12. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Because it helps us then to see this picture of what equip looks like in Scripture. For instance, when we look at the text very specifically, Here's the phrase as given in the New American Standard. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And so when you do your concordance, your Strong's concordance search, here's what you get. Equipment. Oh, great. So I think of a football player putting on his pads. <laughs> Baseball player getting his cleats and his bat and the ball and getting his equipment. The preacher with his library books. <laughs> That's the picture, and it's real mechanical looking at this definition like this you don't get much out of this it leaves much to be desired when you're trying to do a study saying how is this word used in the bible what's well, not this is the only place but here's what happens when you look at this word in verb form you see you take the root word equip and you instead of looking at the noun verb which is in verse 12 you look at the the verb form instead of that noun form and now you've got 13 times in the New Testament this word is used. And what's really neat is how it's used. Look at some of the ways. Mending. Does that word sound like equipped to you? Interesting. Complete. Okay, now that's more like it. That's more like what we're reading of in Ephesians 4. Fully trained. That's kind of similar to that. Made complete. That's all. Restore. How does restore give us a sense of being fully equipped? But yet... That's how the word is used. Equip, perfect, and prepared. So what you have are different nuances, and in fact, some different mindset of what this one word means. And depending on the context, our English uses these words. Notice that in the middle, the word in its most general root form means to be restored and prepared. Like, we like making certain foods for, for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and so we'll prepare our meal. Get it all ready for its intended purpose. And that's to be eaten, <laughs> eventually. 
same thing that we're looking at when we're looking at Ephesians 4 and we're talking about being equipped. You know, what does that look like? So what I'm suggesting this morning is that we look at three of these areas. They're, they're basically packaged of three areas that this word is used. And I'm hoping that when we look at this word, we can make practical application to how we are as a body of believers here, as you are as individual servants of the Lord, how you can be equipped so that you can go forward and be servants to minister. Minister one another. Minister those who are in this world for the purpose that those in this world come into the body of the kingdom and the kingdom grows and is built up into a mature, a perfect, a equipped man. That's what the body of believers would look like if we were to fulfill what is spoken here in Ephesians 4. So let's look at some of these things. The first one is from a standpoint of restoration, repairing, if you will, mending. I want us to look at uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 21. Look at how the text is used there with regard to this word in Ephesians 4. Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 18, after Jesus begins his, his ministry, his teaching of who he is, basically, showing himself to be the Christ as fulfilling prophecy. In verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice that what he's saying here. I'm going to make you. I'm going to, and I'm, the, the word is not here in this, in this verse here, in verse 19, but it's going to bring forth the, the backdrop for the word. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to prepare you for this task of service. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And in verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Don't sound like much in that passage there. But that's where our word used. Here they are, these fishers of men, and they're found mending their nets. That's the same word being used in Ephesians 4, verse 12. Equipping the saints. So what does that mean? Well, here's this net. It's broken. So we're going to mend it. We're going to put it back together, make it whole, make it complete. Make it useful for its intended purpose. And brethren, when you understand that use in that way, we can take that word and apply principally what is being said in Ephesians 4, at least one of the meanings, so that we get this full picture. Here's one part of this picture. So just as we can see Jesus coming to, to repair the lives of men, he says in Matthew 9, verse 12, when the Pharisees were saying, you know, you're eating with these tax collectors and these sinners. You know, why is Jesus doing this? Jesus, knowing them, says, listen, I did not come for those who are whole or complete or those who are already well, those who have no need of physician, I came for those who are sick. I came for those who need a physician. I came for those who are broken and who need to be mended, to be made whole. That's the purpose that we have. Brethren, what happens when we come from this world into the Lord's kingdom? What kind of people are we? We're broken. We're sick. That's why we need salvation. The healing of our sins. 
So when we come into the Lord, the Lord brings us into his church. He makes us whole. I mean, our sins are washed away. But from a practical standpoint, what do we still look like? I got world left in me. I need to put away the old man. But I don't know how to do it. But, you know, there are those before me that do. There are those in the church who are leaders. We may call them pastors and teachers. We may call some of them evangelists. Whoever they are, these individuals are here for the purpose of building up. Equipping. Brethren, when you come here to this third hour of the service, that's the intention. It's not to fill up an hour to say we've gone through some church service. It really is for the body of believers to be built up, to be equipped. That's the point of the sermons in the pulpit. That's the purpose of our Bible classes that we have in the morning. Not just to say, you know what? Man, alive. All we, we just come together for a few minutes. You know, let's think. Well, maybe we can have a Bible class. No. There's a very specific intention in the studies that we have. It's to be equipped. And so what we have are individuals who come into the body of our Lord, who are added by the precious blood of Jesus, but they've got a lot of world in them. And it doesn't happen just here at this building. It's 24-7. That's why we need individuals to be working with babes in Christ. We want them to long after God's word the way we are told in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, to long for the milk of God's word that we may grow thereby. It's so that we can be equipped at serving, at ministry. And so, when we look at the Scriptures, Christians need to be mended. If, in fact, we're to effectively serve. If I have this old, broken down, sinful body, after becoming a Christian, how can I effectively go into the world and evangelize? How can I effectively go to my brothers and sisters in Christ and hold your hand up high when I'm not even walking with the Lord? Part of the reason is because we need to be mended. And when we are, kind of like when, when I can take the log, the plank out of my eye, I can then effectively remove the speck from your own eye. That's the sense of being equipped. That's what we're talking about here. That's one of the images and the imagery of that word in Ephesians 4, verse 12. Well, let's look at the next one. Not mending ourselves, but mending with one another. Reconciliation. Isn't that what the whole gospel message is? Second Peter, I mean, Second Corinthians, excuse me. One of reconciliation. What are we before we're baptized into Christ? What are we before we are children of God? We're foreigners, we're strangers, we're enemies. Because we're guilty of sin. And by virtue of guilty of sin, our holy God cannot have fellowship with us. But he sent his son to bring forth redemption, to buy us back, to reconcile us to our rightful place in God. That's what God desired and designed for us to have that relationship with him. And so it's reconciliation. Well, when we look at the scriptures... We use this passage over and over again when we talk about division in the Lord's church. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Brethren, I don't want any of you to have divisions among you. But I want you to be unified, Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. And in fact, let's just read the text that is given here in 1 Corinthians 1. 
this is a passage we use so often when we talk about divisions and trying to have unity in the midst of a divisive congregation of believers. Paul says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He says that you all speak the same thing, that you all be, in some translations, be unified. In some other translations, reconciled. You go from two, and now you're one. That's the picture given. The word used for unity of the same mind is the same word for being equipped in Ephesians 4, verse 12. If I said to you, if you're trying to understand the role of the elders in this congregation, we have elders. If I said to you, we have pastors, what is your immediate thought? Wait a second, pastor. Because we don't use the word pastors that way, but aren't our elders pastors? But it gives you a different way of thinking of their role and responsibility. But if I said they were overseers, okay? What if I said they were shepherds? Gives you a picture of, of the shepherd overseeing the flock. And then you get to see some, some nuances that way. Same thing with this word equip. We have unity, same mind, or restoration. They're all different things that bring us this word that we're trying to look at in Ephesians 4, verse 12. And so this word here that we're looking at is for unity. And so equipped Christians promote peace, work toward unity. And isn't that the role that we have? We can read Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. That we bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, verse 1. That we be of one mind. Endeavoring toward unity. That's the quote-unquote work that we have if we're going to be fully equipped to bring about a church that is a body of believers that are one, that are fully equipped to serve. How effective would the congregation here be if we're always at odds with one another? Can you imagine what it would be like? Some of us don't have to. Because we've experienced it. We get the, the flesh is easy to experience. But it's not pleasant. But when you endeavor. Endeavor for peace. In that bond if you will. That brings forth unity. Now you get to see individuals coming together. It's like that broken net. And it's being mended. You get to have unity. That's part of the word. And the image within the word equipped. In Ephesians 4, verse 12. So you have that. Well, let's look at this final one that we're going to look at. Resembling our rabbi. Hopefully you can remember that. <laughs> trying to get as many R's so that you can at least have some sense of remembrance. Teaching tool, if you will. And so we're talking about resembling our rabbi. Resembling Jesus Christ. Just as, again, David led for us in that song. You know, make me a servant. Make me like him. Like Jesus Christ. Isn't that the whole goal? of taking this broken down sinner and making him in such a manner that when you look at that individual, whoever that individual is, you're looking at Jesus Christ, at least a reflection of Jesus Christ. Not just some Sunday saint, 
that they put the best foot forward on Sunday and they look so good. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, this person looks nothing like Jesus Christ. That's a fraud. We're talking about genuine Christianity. You're talking about those who, if we were to be like Jesus Christ, how effective would we be at bringing the lost into the kingdom? Now, mind you, that doesn't mean, I mean, if we wanted to be real worldly about this, how many people did Jesus really himself bring into the kingdom from a standpoint that when he spoke, they were like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the message. Very few. I mean, 3,000 souls added to the kingdom on the gospel day is a magnificent thing. But 3,000 out of what? Maybe 100,000? I don't know how many people were there on the day of Pentecost. It was a small fraction. And the church was spreading like wildfire, but yet it was a small number. But yet if we are to resemble after our Savior and look at the way he lived his life, we get to see this in action. See, the goal of our lives then is to be made into the image of our Lord and and when we are, we'll be fully trained like Him. Look at Luke chapter 6. This is where the word is used. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40. So here's this text. Beginning in verse 37. Jesus says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So, whatever all those means, and we have sermons that we could deal with on each one, this is what he is teaching. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So, here's the measuring. Judge not, not in this condemnation way. That is, condemn not. Forgive. And then give. You do this, and the way you live, it's going to be measured back to you in this regard. And then he spoke a parable to them and says, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? In other words, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. You have someone teaching you, falsehood about Jesus Christ and you blindly follow after him you'll be trained in falsehood you follow after Jesus Christ a rabbi the true teacher if you will the only real teacher that we have and guess what if we follow him like the way the Jews when they were young children and were learning when they finally learned the, the Torah and they learned the rest of the, the Old Testament scriptures the, the, the prophets and the Psalms. And then they would watch their rabbi. And whatever the rabbi did, they did. Rabbi ate left-handed. Guess what the disciples did? They left-handed. <laughs> they believed this. They followed after the rabbi. The rabbi was as if they had learned the very words of God and followed them to a T. And they were going to do the same thing. That's what you do with Jesus Christ. You hang on to every word. And when he says, I want you to serve the way I have served, that's what I want you to do. I want you to think this way. I want you to speak this way. I want you to behave this way. And that's what we do. When we're fully trained, we look like Him. We speak like Him. We act like Him. That's the picture given in Ephesians 4, verse 12. And notice what happens when, when you go back to the text in Ephesians 4 and read verse 13. Until we come 
to the unity of faith, to a mature man. Complete. That's what the Lord's church looks like when individuals are fully trained. That is, fully equipped. That is, restored and mended. That's the picture that you have. Now, I want to reread, and then we'll be done, Ephesians 4, and read that text. And I want you to see the application in the way you live daily for our Lord. Go back to Ephesians 4. Again, he himself, that is Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He did this for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. He did it for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what happens when the Lord's church is equipped. And that's what happens when individuals within the body of Christ take advantage of these gifts that God has given to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are teaching, building up, so that we can go out and serve. Brethren, it's not enough that we just come to these services and you just get spoon-fed with the teaching of God's Word. If, if that's your mindset of, quote-unquote, coming to church, you're coming for the wrong reason. At least not in this portion of the service. You come so that you can be fully equipped. Naturally, that implies that the teacher teaches the sound gospel of Jesus Christ. That it implies that the elders are leading in a sound, biblical manner. It implies a lot of that. But that implication being true, let's say, then you are to be equipped through these gifts so that you can go out and serve. Now, part of the reason why I did this is because it ties in what we're talking about with the work and the talents that we have in this congregation. Brethren, what things has God blessed you with? What are some of the things that you are good at in serving others? What things do you lack in your life? And maybe it's from a teaching standpoint. Maybe it's from a standpoint that you're not very hospitable, but you want to be. And maybe you don't have much in the web of those talents, but... Maybe you can work with what talent you do have. That God may bless you more. So that you can serve. So when we're talking about evangelizing in our community here. You need to be equipped for it. When you're talking about how we can build up the body of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. That's why we're here. Are you going to put this to practice? You see, we have everything that we need. We know that we need to have a well-rounded view. In fact, now we do, I hope, through these um, passages that we looked at and these three areas that package a picture of what it means to be fully equipped. But with this well-rounded view, it does you no good unless you're going to go out and, and make that application. I hope it starts when we come together like this. And I hope it ends with us being a body of Christ. The body of Christ. That is shown off in Ephesians 4 when you read verses 11 through 16. I want to say this as, 
as, as we're done, we need to be repaired. You cannot be without Jesus Christ. Before you get your songbooks. You can go into water, rise up out of water, and be the same individual. Or you can go into water, come up, and have your sins washed away. Those who truly believe that Jesus is the Christ do exactly what Jesus said needs to be done. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Do you genuinely believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Because Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, told his disciples to go into all the world, make disciples, make disciples of him. You teach them to observe all things I've commanded you. Until you do that, you're broken. When he adds you into his kingdom, he makes you whole again. Now, your sins are washed away, but how are you going to be living? You need to learn how to be repaired. You need to learn how to reconcile. That's a difficult thing. Brethren, when someone has wronged me, the natural man wants to say, I'm going to get you back. And I know how to do a good job of getting you back. But the one who's well-equipped in Jesus Christ learns how to forgive, learns how to be a peacemaker, Standing for the truth, you're going to divide. That's understood. But that's not the point of Ephesians 4, verse 12. Being equipped, learning how to have unity. That's a hard thing for us. And yet it's all throughout Scripture that we're given this. That's how you're fully equipped. And you cannot have that unity with the Lord unless you come into His kingdom. And of course, when you follow after Jesus Christ, when you become like Him, now you see a person who's converted. That's a person who... Is not trans, I mean, but converted or, excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for? Romans 12, verse 1. <laughs> yeah, but the first one. Conform. Why couldn't I get that? <laughs> not conform to this world, but transform by the renewing of your mind. That's when you're fully equipped. That's what you need to do. When you come to the Lord and you're added into his kingdom by his grace, his wonderful gift of salvation, that's the conversion that we need to have.